This is Tony Johnson for Heron.org Soundbites. I'm here today with David Levine, President and CEO of the American Sustainable Business Council. We're going to discuss the ASBC work on amplifying double and triple line bottom businesses. Hi, David. Hey, Tony. How are you? Very good. So my understanding is ASBC got its start in part to be a counter to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Can you talk a little bit about the work of ASBC, its makeup and members? What's your mission? The American Sustainable Business Council was formed to bring together business organizations and companies to advocate for systems-wide market shifts, as well as, in particular, policy change to drive towards a sustainable economy. By sustainable economy, it could otherwise be known as a triple bottom line economy, people, planet, and profit. But it's really understanding that what we were trying to do is put forward the understanding that there were uh, many, many other businesses out there that were operating beyond just short-term profit at all costs, and that they understood that you could provide you know, for social and environmental benefit as they also did well financially, that those things didn't need to be in competition with each other. They would actually help to really drive a strong and robust business and a strong and robust economy overall. The American Sustainable Business Council was formed in part because we looked around and we said, why aren't we making more progress towards building a values-based economy, a sustainable economy, a responsible economy. And what we often saw is that the arguments against the policies that would help to drive in that direction were that they were bad for business. So raising minimum wage or paid leave or family leave, bad for business. Addressing climate change, bad for business. Good regulations to ensure fair conditions from financial institutions like Dodd-Frank and others that tried to put them in the formation of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, bad for business. And what we understood then is when we looked around, was who's making that argument? And what we often saw, it was the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and its main membership made up of some of the largest multinational corporations had been treated as the monolithic voice of business. They were the ones that were talking to the media, talking to the White House, talking to Congress, talking to state legislators, telling them this is what business believes. So in looking around, we saw that there had been an incredible growth of values-based, responsible, sustainable businesses. And we said, what if we actually brought those folks together? What if we could aggregate them in such a way that we could all collectively have a much greater voice and power to actually influence the direction of this country, to influence the direction of policy, and with the national and the state and the local level, by bringing forward a different business perspective that understood the sustainability perspective. So that was the set of rationale that sort of led to us forming the American Sustainable Business Council. And now, since that formation in 2009, you know, we've been able to bring together many different business organizations and businesses across sectors, across geographies, across sizes of businesses that are working with us to drive this agenda. And collectively, we now represent over 250,000 businesses. So this has now become a, a force 
that is really both articulating the vision, the basic principles for a sustainable economy, the strategies and the policies that would help us to get there, and then doing something much different than business has often been used to doing. It's actually you know, using the ASBC platform to actually speak out in public, putting their brands on the line to say why it is important to have the kinds of policies and positions from government, why it's important to build an economy based on sustainability principles, and whether it's to testify before Congress or state legislature, join us in amicus brief, challenge decisions that, again, would impact businesses. On all different fronts, these business leaders, whether it's a sign-on letter, an op-ed, or speaking publicly, are stepping up and saying, as a business leader, as a business, we understand the value and the importance of what a sustainable economy can bring. And we no longer have to adhere to a false understanding of the way the economy should run, which is that short-term profit at all costs is the way to go. So it is a win-win-win when we say, let's move forward to create financial environmental and social benefit. One of the things I think is very exciting about the work that you do is that you're not just out there doing advocacy work, you're out there coalition building or looking at local supply chains, even at a place like Family Dollar or Dollar General and moving out toxic toys and other products and moving in things that are created locally. It really seems like you guys are are trying to work in a business context to make it more sustainable and has a real community aspect that I think some of these other big initiatives often miss. Can you just highlight some of the programs and work that you've been doing in some of the communities that you're working with? Sure. I think you just mentioned the dollar store campaign. A number of leaders, the Environmental Health, Environmental Justice Alliance, affiliated with the Just Transition Alliance and Coming Clean, which brings together many different environmental health, environmental justice, environmental leaders, has recognized the incredible impact that dollar stores have on low-income communities, communities of color throughout the country. They're the ones out there selling products that are often jam-packed with toxic chemicals. They're selling the worst of products because they can, and because they believe that it's okay to do this, particularly in these communities where there's little or not as much choice as you would have in, these are the food deserts. These are the, the places, the stores that pop up. You know, taking advantage of that community has sort of raised up the ire of these communities. And what we were able to do as the American Sustainable Business Council is to try and find ways to support the efforts of these communities. Part of this is how do we actually work with the local communities so that they can rebuild their local economy, they can work with their local entrepreneurs, identify the products and services that that community members can, can be providing that could be a part of the source for their own community. There are multiple opportunities like this to work with struggling communities that have been traditionally left out of the economy and to do this in such a way that you can bring forward healthier and safer business opportunities be able to help create an answer to the toxic conditions in which these communities live 
at the same time you're working to rebuild the economies there. And there, I think, are, are some of the opportunities that have been missed traditionally here because, you know, of the way that financing takes place, you know, a history of not investing in these communities. And it's incumbent upon us to recognize that in order to have a truly sustainable economy, you know, we need to adhere to one of the key principles that ASBC holds, which is an inclusive economy. When I'm thinking about the work that you do and you're working in communities, you're on the Hill, you're in D.C., you're talking to local and state governments about things like tax policy and infrastructure policy. It seems like there's a disconnect. I mean, politicians like to talk about being business friendly, they love to talk about small business as a job creator, but then there seems like there's this disconnect that happens when you start actually trying to do the work. Can you talk a little bit about the your experience and some of the bottlenecks and how it's different depending on the political makeup of the government you're working with? Right. I would say that it has been a surprise to many legislators to have our business leaders actually show up in Capitol Hill. We have often heard them say, listen, we've heard from advocates across the board, but the only time businesses have come in is when they're representing the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the lobbyists for some of these major corporations. We have not heard the voices like yours that are coming forward. And that is really important for us to be able to understand that there is a different business perspective that's out there. So that, so that has been particularly useful. But I think one of the biggest bottlenecks that we have at the moment that we often run into is now that we're able to sort of challenge more consistently. I mean, we just finished a fly-in of business leaders meeting with a number of key legislators throughout Congress on uh, on family leave policy and the need to really drive that in is an important part of our high road business work and driving a more just economy. Weeks before that, we just had a fly-in of, of scores and scores of business leaders talking about climate change and the impact on their businesses and the need for the federal government to take action on it. So, We are trying as hard as we can to create the opportunities for more and more business leaders to do what they often don't do, which is to speak out on these issues and to show up on Capitol Hill, taking time out of their businesses in order to drive these changes. What we are desperately trying to show is that these business leaders do represent real-world businesses that are operating with a different set of values that are in their congressional districts, in their Senate districts, that they are their voters, they are their constituents, and that they do understand what works for business and what doesn't, and that their values align with a set of policies that we are really desperately asking congressional leaders and state legislators to pick up and to address. But what we understand is that we're operating in the era of Citizens United. And we do hear from legislators that are telling us that even if they agree with us on these positions, their fear is that if they take that kind of position, then they will see endless amounts of money being poured into their next race in opposition to themselves, to them. And, and this is their fear, is that, that they won't stand a chance for re-election 
And so what we are desperately trying to do is to let any legislator know across party lines that now is the time to stand up for what you believe in. Now is the time to stand up in a principled way for what's best for your community, for your constituents, for the country, and that we as business leaders will stand side by side with any legislator that's willing to do that. And that's the message that we're trying to bring at both the federal, at the state, and at the local level. There's a number of groups out here working on different aspects of this. There's CECP, just working with CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. There's the BSR, there's B-Lab, there's the B-Team, which is run by you know, Richard yep. Branson and co. So where is there synergy where there's maybe coalition building happening and where do folks start to depart or is it too soon to tell? It is a new moment, but historically the things that have distinguished the American Sustainable Business Council is that we had primarily set up the council to engage on policy. A lot of the other business organizations have steered clear of policy and they've done great work in helping businesses to transform their internal business practices. And that's really crucial as a stepping stone But what we believe the next step was, and which is why we formed the American Sustainable Business Council, was the need to be at the table. You know, we have a saying that we often use that if you're not at the table, you'll be eaten for lunch. And so, you know, here the opportunity was to to get business leaders to engage in the policy discussions, you know, and that has really worked. You know, we have been invited numerous times now to help to draft new policy. We've been invited to then advocate for that, to help bring that through to fruition, whether it's a crowdfunding bill that got passed as a part of the American Jobs Act or chemical policy reform or, you know, access to capital issues on many other levels. You have the cross-section of of key policies that we were able to have an impact on. And and that that is a very specific set of work. And uh, a number of other business organizations, we are hoping, will see the value and the importance of doing that. We've seen great leadership from the small and medium enterprises you know, who are very much a mainstay of the American Sustainable Business Council, and even from some of our larger brands that have been really out front on this. But we see a shift, hopefully, in the larger society from business that are willing to understand that now is the time that they need to speak up. And we hope that that's a culture shift that stays in place, you know, for years to come. You know, but there is some fear out there. When we get back to the issues, and what we see is it's really key for business leaders to speak up because the business voice matters. And now is the time to understand and to have business leaders out there that say we need an economy and policies and a government that works for business and the economy that will be about driving something that's great for our financial, but also our environmental and our social benefit. Given that there's this changed context, everybody's feeling it, regardless of where you sit along the political spectrum. From a business place, what's the role of government from your perspective? I know that you've done a lot of policy work. 
We're along from the libertarian fantasy that government has no place all the way to let's right. have universal everything. Where's the sweet spot? Where do we need to get to make it work for communities, for particularly smaller businesses so that we can have a diverse, healthy economy? We're not just dealing with these mega corporations everywhere. What are you hearing? What are people dreaming about? You know, a good indicator on this, you know, a lot of the polling that we've done with small businesses in particular have shown that large majorities of them, 70% and the 80%, have understood the value and importance of rules and regulation. And that's the role of government, is to help set definitions, help set some of the rules and regulations. Why? The key reason they often say is so it's fair so that there's a level playing field, so that we're all operating, being held to the same standards, and from there you can then innovate. It's a funny argument that they use against regulations all the time because they create the conditions in which then only the most powerful and the, the wealthiest can have the kind of influence that they then have. And in that void of diminished resources and regulations, you know, is the opportunity for the domination by those with tremendous amounts of resources, thus having a tremendous impact. So the lip service that's being given to the value and importance of small and medium enterprises in this country, which we believe are the backbone of the economy, you know, a great job producer and the like, and that can live alongside larger companies. But what we need is that level playing field. You need to set a condition. And so one of the things that ASBC has been working on, for instance, is a bill about really increasing the opportunity of support from the ombudsman position in the, in the government in order to provide support for small businesses in order to meet the regulations. Because what we've often heard is, again, small businesses support good regulations in order to create that fair set of fair conditions, but what they need is the additional support because they can't hire up in the same way that larger companies can. So that kind of extra support means that we've got the good rules, but you have support for those that need support in meeting the regulations and the like. So that's what we need is the education, the support, and the conditions that will enhance the ability of all businesses to reach for the, the greatest good and not to the lowest common denominator. And that's the kind of policy that we think is really important to drive on at this point, not a dismantling of all government regulations and rules, but really supporting those efforts. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, David. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. For Heron.org, this is Tony Johnson.